out there it is pouring rain Flegelman knows I was out there the pouring rain driving here all the way from Warwick hope everybody's safe out there let's go we got five hours at least I don't have to get back in the car for five hours that's right 877-337-6666 Rosenberg's still here I'll mention him he feels good he's going on his way home in the pouring rain makes his day you know I'll be nice Paul Rosenberg's still here, ladies and gentlemen. The glue of the station. What we would do without Paul Rosenberg. Fall apart, I tell you. They would. Fall apart. I'm Elmer. He's Elmer. Like the glue. We all go. <laughs> Elmer's glue. You're hilarious. He picked the worst glue company. <laughs> Wait, what other glue company is it besides Elmer? That's what kids play with. Kids also play basketball, and the Knicks are making it look like the opponent is a bunch of children. See how quick I am with turning things around? Yeah, that's right, gorilla tape. That's as strong as Elmer's bow. Anyway, now we're just, uh, we're riffing here. Let me start this open again. Yeah, 12.03. McMonagle here with you. No, that's okay. You don't have to do the music. Let's go. Let's go, Knicks. 112.84 over the Portland Trailblazers. They'll never lose again. I'm not sure what team I said. It was the Portland Trailblazers. And I don't know if the Knicks are ever going to lose again. This was easy. I had no problem getting in the car in the third period to take on the rain. I had nothing to worry about. They are rolling. they It's unbelievable. This trade, I mean, I don't know how long it's going to last, and I still think they need to go get more, and we're going to talk about that just in a second. But this trade has intimate, uh, just immediately changed the way they play basketball in every way. Brunson, uh, player of the week, uh, that's, that's not anything special. He's won it before this season. He's... Uh, he probably won it last year a couple times. You know what he is. But the element of him becoming a point, point guard, his assists have gone up. They don't need him to score. And early on in this game, we fo- we finally saw OG Ananobi really take some you know key shots, score six, eight points in a row, be the reason that they started to pull away from the Trailblazers. He leads all scorers with 23 in this game, four from six from three-point land. He spreads the floor. We talked about it instantly. This team, everybody's role is so much better defined the second they made this move. And now it's crystal clear who the scorer is for the most part, which is Julius Randle, who's going to be the scorer when they need him to be Brunson, also the facilitator. The 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 emergence of Hartenstein, who had 14 rebounds again. I mean, he's just uh, completely emerged as someone that you have to now you know, feel really good about it and start to think about as part of the future of this team, let alone just this season. DiVincenzo has stepped up and I think played better since this trade. Guys off the bench are obviously getting more minutes as we're getting all these blowouts. McBride is starting to show himself with 16 points. Grimes, 5 for uh, 11 from the field. Uh, 4 for 9 from three-point land, 17 points. These guys are all starting to find their role, their groove. And this team right now is looking like, and they've moved up to the four seed with a couple of the teams in front of them dormant for the evening. I mean, they right now look like a team that is legitimately good enough to take on anyone inside the East. That's what it feels like right now. We're raw, we're riding high, Nick fans. This is about as good, because I talked about the the instant, if this would have happened, if they go on a five-game winning streak, you know, 10 games in, or, you know, they go 500 
for the first 12 games with OG, and then they hit this stride. You feel good about it, but the instant nature of it immediately and, and the idea that Rose, and obviously with the help of the coach, Thibodeau, recognized that this was the player and this was the move. And as well as Barrett and quickly maybe playing in Toronto and as hard as it was to say goodbye to them, the idea that they recognized that this would immediately change their team. And this coach knew exactly how he was going to implement this team the minute he got OG on it. It makes me feel a lot better about everything. The instant nature of the impact makes me feel like it's legitimate, makes me feel like Rose and Thibodeau didn't luck into this or it's not one of those things where it's better than you expected. This is exactly what they wanted. And the minute the trade happened, they knew exactly how to implement it. And these guys, every person has stepped up filling their precise role. The team just feels like it fits better, doesn't it? The floor is spaced better. The defense is better. Hardenstein's getting rebounds and blocking at the same level or better than Mitchell Robinson. Everything, you've got Grimes stepping up, hitting threes. You're starting to see McBride become a piece of this team. Like, everything. Randall's gone scoring with abandon. Brunson's been good not only with the scoring of the points, but he's had more than 10 assists in three of these five games. Like, he has stepped up and become more of the point guard. Like, everything fits better. And so the question is, as you look to make this season special, because right now we feel like maybe this next season could be special. Like we're getting hyped up as we say goodbye, and we'll get into the football all morning long at 877-337-6666. Because Rodgers doesn't shut up, and the Wink Martindale story fascinates me. So we'll get to the football. But as we put to bed that miserable football season, as we finally say goodbye and just focus on the postseason and say goodbye to these two teams that disappoint us more regularly than any other team, honestly, in this city since the Knicks were in their 20-year malaise. But now that we finally we are looking at a hockey team and the Rangers, fine. But this Knicks team that can be the heart of the city if it plays like this and plays winning basketball. I mean, we are ready to take this thing and ride it and see how far we can get. So the question is, what now? Right? I think we've established and we feel good. It's a five game winning streak. It's not the end of the it's not the beginning of some, you know, great let's cool ourselves on what it is. It is five games. But we immediately feel better that when you look at the rest of the Eastern Conference, you could put everybody else behind them. Right? Maybe the Heat, who beat them last year and is always a good team, and obviously Spolster just got a record breaking contract, one of the better coaches, if not the best head coach in the NBA. But like they're right there with those top three teams. Everybody else, the Pacers, who now obviously dealing with their star uh, having an injury, uh, Orlando, whoever else is in front of them, you're not worried about them. This is now how do you attack the the Bucks, who are obviously uh, in a big tailspin at the moment, playing poorly. Uh, you've got uh, the the freak blaming everybody. You got Giannis blaming everybody down to the equipment, man. They need to wash their uniforms better in Milwaukee. So they got a bunch of problems there, but you know how good they are, and they'll figure it out. So how do they attack the Celtics? How do they attack the Bucks? How do they attack the 76ers, who they beat the crap out of a few games ago? Like, how do they put themselves on that level? And if you don't think they're there just yet, despite the winning streak, and I'm not sure if they are, what's the move next? And I think we can forget the idea, right now at least, with this team, of making the big trade. I don't know if it's coming. I'm still open to it. I, I I love the chemistry right now of this team. Quite literally, I love it. 
So I'd be hesitant to trade away, you know, some pieces of, of this group for the big star as well as first-round picks. But ultimately, it's a, it's a star-driven league, so I'm open to it. But right now, I just don't see a pathway to it. So what do they do? I heard um, Evan today talking about Brogdon, who obviously was the sixth man last year. We got a, uh, a chance to look at him last night for Portland. He only scored two points. Wasn't a major factor in the game, but the game was a blowout early on. But he's obviously someone who can fill that role of quickly. So you're looking at guys like that, uh, you know, Jordan Clarkson out in Utah, another guy who could possibly fill that role. So if you make that if you make that trade and you give away a first-round pick and you give away Fournier's contract and you do that and you say goodbye to some of the assets left that you would need for the big move, is it worth it? Like, that's the question right now. Do you trust, and I, and I said it specifically a few minutes ago, about the idea that Rose and Th- uh, Thibodeau knew, um, knew exactly what this OG trade would do and knew exactly how to go about changing the style of the team and knew exactly how to make them better instantly. Do we trust this group to make another trade like that, to bring in someone who probably you would, you know, you look to replace the quickly uh, role. Honestly, you look for someone as much as you've seen some of that role be filled by McBride and now, you know, Grimes. Do you still want someone who can come in, run the point, be instant offense, someone like that who could score and 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 fill that role with a much better player, a player like Brogdon, or I mentioned, you know, Jordan Clarkson, like so, someone like that out of Utah. Would 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 you add a player like that, another role player, not just an average player, one of the better players in the league at that role? Are you looking to not change the dynamic of this team anymore? and not bring in the superstar, and not bring in the game-changing player, the number one guy, someone who's now you now Brunson can be the number two to this player that we had hoped for for years. Forget even before they got Brunson. For years and years and years, we've been waiting for who's going to come to New York, and you thought for a second it was going to be Carmelo. Quickly, we learned it wasn't going to be Melo, although he came here. It just wasn't going to be that guy that made it work. The team around him wasn't good enough to be fair, but but... We don't have to have a mellow conversation. But who's that next guy who's going to come here and decide to take on the challenge of bringing the Knicks back to the NBA championship? And now that they have this group that we love so much that we have now seen play five consecutive games, about as good of five games as we've seen in a long time. I mean, these games aren't even close. A lot of them, some of them are. But, I mean, these games, they're better than the Trailblazers, clearly. And it's within five minutes you know where this game is going. They go to Philadelphia, and it's kind of a test. You knew by the end of the first quarter where that game was going. These Knicks right now are just on an absolute run. And I don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm loving watching it. And so now the question is, do you jump off the idea of going to get the superstar? Do you jump off trying to make that big trade? Are you happy enough with what this is, and now you make the extra move? The smart move. The move that fits the role. What's the next role that Thibodeau and Rose envision for this team? Go out and get that player. And now let's see what you can be with this core, added the other role player who fits perfectly into what they're missing, what they need, who can come right in and fit right into Thibodeau's plan. For a long time, for a long time, the idea was, Okay, we got Tibbs. He's immediately brought instant respectability to the team. They're going to be a hard-fought defensive team. That's what he's that's what he specializes in. 
if they, if you don't work, you're not going to play for him. They're going to be pretty good. They'll probably be a playoff team. But ultimately, maybe they play too much, too many minutes for Brunson, too many minutes for Randall. And come playoff time, Thibodeau's type of basketball and Thibodeau's scheme and Thibodeau's teams will have a ceiling come postseason time. And that's been the thought process for a while here, that we, we love the style of play, we love the coach, but ultimately there is a ceiling for this team, not just with the players, but also with the idea of how they play basketball. Do you now lean into it because of the way we've watched the Knicks play basketball for five games? Do you now lean into the idea of screw it? Tibbs, who do we need next? How do we make this next role player take us from where we are now, where is probably in the conversation or bumping our heads into the conversation of the top three to being someone who absolutely can be there with those three teams? Who's that next player? And how do you get him? And is it worth it if it's not the superstar? And right now, it is hard not to say, yes, go get it done. Let's rally around this team. Let's rally around Brunson and Randall being the two stars. And now that you've added OG and you've seen Hartenstein step up and you've seen some of the different elements of this team immediately fit into this new scheme, go get someone who fits the one piece they're missing, go develop the perfect Thibodeau team, and go and attack this thing and see if it's going to shock the world and be good enough to actually compete for an NBA championship. Can we do that? Is that the path? And right now, with how this team is playing and the role they're on and the fun we're having watching them, because this is, I mean, these are parties. We're having parties. I joked about the the Giant-Eagle game being a party despite the fact I wanted them to lose. These Nick games are parties. By halftime, it's parties, man. And so right now, you got to feel confident about every aspect of the team. And I don't know if I want to break it down and sell off a couple of pieces as, long, as well as first-round picks to go bring in a Mitchell. I don't even know if he's available. I don't know who's available. We never know who's available. But do you take do you take some of those pieces out of play to go make the next move to make this team better and continue on that path of the OG trade made it better, instantly better, and now do you make that next move where it's that type of OG or Anobi player, a different role, not a superstar, but someone well-respected throughout the league, someone who knows the role they're going to play in this team and in, uh, in this Thibodeau coach team and figure out a way to make them even better, and is that good enough inside this Eastern Conference? 877-337-6666. I'm pumped. I'm pumped about our Knicks. I'm pumped about the Rangers. I'm pumped about the idea of maybe, just maybe, and I mentioned this yesterday too, having a 1994 kind of spring where both of these teams, I'm not predicting championships for either team. But wouldn't it be nice to literally have both of these teams moving through their respective playoffs and playing in Eastern Conference championships. Let's go. I know I'm sliding the Rangers into this conversation. Why the hell not? I'm just thinking about, I'm thinking, I'm trying to get excited. I'm trying to get excited as the the Yankees are having powwows that hopefully lead to something. The Mets apparently have a budget. I mean, the Mets have $10 more million to spend. That's it. And I'm figuring, you know, it's okay. We'll probably put it into the bullpen. We're not going to get you another DH. We're not going to get you another starting pitcher of any consequence. Uh, maybe another $10 million on this. So the Mets have, the Yankees have done nothing in the year of all-in besides the Juan Soto move. The Mets 
have done literally nothing to bolster their rotation other than throw a couple of starters with you know some previous decent history up against the wall and hope it sticks. And now they have a budget. The two football teams are a laughing stock with Aaron Rodgers going on long rants about COVID still. And Wink Martindale cursing out the head coach and running out the building, and now he's on his way home. I mean, that's what we have around this city, and I'm focused on the two teams that might just bring us some glory here come spring and early summer. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. And the ball game's over, and the Giants have won Super Bowl 46. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Yes! 12.25. I'm in a good mood. I'm not sure why. I'm feeling good. I haven't had coffee in a while. I just had a cup of coffee right before the show, and I feel good. I feel good. I feel good about the Knicks. I feel excited. I feel, you know, hopefully, I'm excited about the Yankees. I'm excited about the Rangers. I'm not so excited about the Mets. And that's not to crap on the Mets. Believe me, I'm not I'm not one of those. We can get there. If you want to call me up and take on the Yankees, I'll go there with you. I'll fight you, Mets fans. But I'm I'm honestly I'm not. I'm looking out for you. I want the Nets to, I want the Mets to be good. But right now I'm focused on the the Knicks to start the show a little bit. Uh and how that trade has changed everything, the OG Ananobi trade. And now whether or not the Knicks should view the future differently as well. With how they've played. I mean, he's been incredible. Plus, he's plus 111 through five games. I forgot to give that stat in the open. Marco gave it right at the top of the hour. Plus 111. I mean, he's come in and been everything you could have wanted. And last night was the first game he really, you know, stepped up the scoring early on. Again, I didn't see a lot of the... I'll be honest with you. I was driving in. I was listening to it on the radio. But when it's a... It's a 35-point game. I was listening and, and thinking of other things and, and putting other thoughts uh, in my head so we can get through five hours than I was the, the tail end of a Portland game that they had already dominated. I mean, it's just been special. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Jeff's enjoyed it. I know that. Jeff in South Florida. What's up, Jeff? Hey, how you doing, Chris? Good, buddy. How are you? Good, good. So, uh, you know, big Knicks fan, uh, um, I just want to make sure everybody doesn't get too over the top. I know my best friend almost always does. Although he was one of the many people that were saying he hated the trade. Uh, yep. Oh, they were every, a lot of them. There was a lot of people who didn't said, like this trade. Yeah. And I said, uh, if their trade deadline was, you know, that day, I don't know about it, but because there was plenty of time to see how everything fit. Right. You have to, that, and that's how I feel now. It's like, Things change quickly. I mean, if you go back, I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but you know, you go back to Lynn Sanity. Everybody thought that that was the uh, the future, and uh, right. it's a long season, and they played a few rough teams. I mean, blowing out Washington and Portland is nothing to be excited about. The Philly game was nice. Yep. Uh, but it's, it's a, you know, yeah, it's a but long I mean, the Knicks, I, I, I'm not saying I don't want to interrupt you for a second. I'm gonna let you finish. I promise. Yeah. I'm not saying. Yeah. I'm not like. It's not so much blowing out Portland or blowing out Washington. It's it is a little bit because we've seen the Knicks play tight games against like they're a better team. Go out and and beat them. Like that's like there are plenty of nights, especially with a four game winning streak, where you you're telling me you would have been shocked if Portland was up three points with four minutes left in this game. Like that that's 
Like that that happens a lot in basketball and with the Knicks in particular. Like I, I'm not saying let's party because they they dominated Portland, but at least they're beat. They 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 took on better teams in Minnesota and and uh, uh, Philadelphia, and they've right. they've really beaten up the teams they're supposed to beat up. I mean, I, I'm in. It's it's one twelve eighty four. It's not you know ninety two eighty seven. Right. No, I definitely give them credit. I just you know, don't want no, to get I, I get you. They're as constituted. I think they're still uh, definitely a piece away from competing with, you know, Milwaukee and Boston or a team like Denver in the Western Conference. But right. it's promising. Uh, and then, real quick, I just wanted to say, I just, as a disgruntled Jets fan, it's just funny. You see the Titans fire and Rabel. It's like, can you imagine? You know, when we're keeping the same GM that's been there just as long as him, pretty much. And you know, uh, you know yeah, Rogers, no, listen, I, firing Rabel is a terrible mistake. He's he's. He's a top three coach in the NFL. I think he's – if you listen to – and thank you for the call, Jeff. If you listen to um, our pick segment, I consistently I, – I almost always pick Tennessee as a home dog. If Tennessee is a home dog and they've been uh, – they were a couple times this year because they didn't have a great year and they lost uh, – you know, and their quarterback situation was what it was. Uh, I think Vrabel is a tremendous head coach. They are always well coached. They – I mean, they've done amazing things with Tannehill. And a run game as their their focal point, which is tough to do. Look around the NFL. Look at look at the teams left playing. I, I make this argument all the time. Look at the teams left playing and show me the dominant the the dominant running back. And the teams aren't. You don't have dominant running backs. If you it's coaching, it's quarterback and coaching. But Ivrable is an incredible head coach. And yeah, I mean, listen. Under normal circumstances, I'm going to stay on it. I'm going to stay on it. I think Vrabel is a far, far superior coach than Robert Sala. It's not even worth discussing. Don't get me wrong. I think Vrabel is a far superior coach than almost any coach in, in the NFL. Like, I would take him over a lot of coaches. Like, right now, if you – if I, I'm a Giants fan. If they fired – after all this wink stuff, which I'm going to get into in a minute here, after all this wink stuff and whatever, losing six games and – the idea that, you know, uh, Dable's kind of lost his defense a little bit or tough to work with. Or if they announced today that they fired Brian Dable and brought in Mike Vrabel, I'd be, I, I, I'd, it'd be hard to be disappointed. I mean, the guy is an absolute excellent head coach. I am shocked they let him go. I, am not, I don't know. They said they let him go. There were reports that it was kind of mutual. I have no idea how Vrabel feels about it, especially with the chance – to possibly go back and coach the Patriots where everybody pretty much has him there already before Bill's even let go or before he's afforded other opportunities. I mean, everybody's putting him with the Patriots already and a young quarterback that they'll obviously draft at the top of the draft. But, yeah, he's a tremendous head coach. And I could understand why Jet fans are like, geez, you're telling me Aaron Rodgers and he goes on Pat McAfee again and again. I, I just... He talks about leaving the BS out out of the organization, and I and I guess he's going to get away. And I think Robert Sala tried this in a radio interview with Kay today to talk about the difference. And I got a guy on Twitter keep hitting me up, going, "What are you talking about, Chris?" He said inside the building, the Pat McAfee interview. Well, are, are people dense? Like honestly, 
Is Robert Sala honestly going to try and tell us? Is Aaron Rodgers honestly going to try and tell us that what he does when he calls for everything inside the building and with the organization to be about winning and to stop with the nonsense and the BS, that his tirades about COVID and his tirades about vaccinations are not part of it? They don't seep into the building? Other players don't have to answer this, discuss this, talk about Rodgers in general. It's all part of it. Anything he does is part of it. He has a platform because he's the quarterback of the New York Jets because he plays in the NFL. It all is relatable. The idea that he thinks he can go on Pat McAfee and the coach is going to make excuses for him on, on radio saying, well, that, that's inside the, re- the room. Well, what, what are we talking about? What nonsense is going inside the Jets' room? I mean, let's. I mean, it's just so stupid. And after again going on the podium two days ago and telling us the BS has to stop, he goes on Pat McAfee and doesn't just stop with talking about his stuff with Jimmy Kimmel and doesn't just say, you know, some of the stuff he said, I get what he's trying to say, but perception is reality. You you associated him with that list, whether you were saying that he doesn't like it because a moron like me could be could be right. And that's a, his point was, and I do believe him. I believe when he said that Jimmy Kimmel won't like it when the list comes out, which is what he said, he was referring to the idea of either Jimmy Kimmel not liking the idea that it's going to be a lot of left liberals or whatever your that take, and then also that Rodgers would be right about it after Jimmy Kimmel called him a guy in a tinfoil hat for thinking about it. And I believe that's what Rodgers meant when he said it, but the problem is is it doesn't matter what you mean. When you associate any way, shape, or form someone with that list, people are going to take it and run with it, and that's why Jimmy Kimmel's like, you're putting me and my family in a in a awkward and tough spot. So, I mean, of course, I, I all get it. So I get his coming on and talking about that. But then he goes on these long rants about COVID and the vaccine and all the different doctors and Fauci and, you know, Robert Kennedy Jr. And he's just going on and on to the point where he's like, this will be the, I want to just say this and then be done with it. And Pat McAfee starts laughing like, what are you kidding? Who are you kidding, Aaron? You're not going to be done with it. We're going to talk about it next week too. Or whenever he comes back on now that the season's over. He just keeps going on about this stuff. And whether you agree with him, disagree with him, whatever your political leanings are, whatever you think about Dr. Fauci, whatever, it just doesn't need to be said. And he said it enough. Again, I'm all for speaking your mind. And I'm not even, and still now, if I'm the Jets, and I know a lot of Jet fans feel this way, even if I'm, the, I still don't tell him he can't do interviews. Like, that's, he can do whatever he wants. But he can't then tell us the, the nonsense needs to stop and then go on and do an hour of nonsense. And not, not that his opinions necessarily are nonsense. Some of them are, some of them are, and I don't care. It's the idea of, of, the talking points around it. It's just, he goes, and he goes on these long diatribes, naming 15 medications and, and this and that, and that's fine. If you want to do that, fine. But don't 
criticize the Jets organization for having too much crap and BS involved in it when all you do is is provide them with the, your coach is answering questions about it. That's the same thing as being in the room. Your coach has to go on radio and answer questions about your COVID tirades. That's all the same thing. That's all inside the room. That's all creating problems for the Jets. You claim the Jets need to eliminate all other issues but winning, and then you once a week go on a radio and or YouTube page or ESPN, you knock ESPN, you go on these long tirades about COVID, you're in a battle with a late-night TV show host who has a, a an enormous platform himself to knock you anytime he wants. Like, this is, you are creating everything but winning around the team. And I still think, as crazy as that is, I would not I would not bring in Vrabel as much as I would love to because he's a great head coach. I mean, I suppose if Aaron Rodgers would be okay with it, but I got to keep Nathaniel Hackett, and I, I respect Vrabel too much to tell him he's got to keep Nathaniel Hackett, and he won't take that job. So I just, there's nothing else to do but to hold your breath, hope these Pat McAfee interviews go away, hope Aaron Rodgers realizes the storm he creates with this stuff, and during the offseason, he wants to go on panels and do different shows, God bless him. You want to go on Bill Maher and have a conversation with him? God bless you, Aaron. Go, Go say your, speak your mind. Country is built on it. Go speak your mind. I have no problem with it. But then don't tell us when you do it weekly that the team, the organization needs to stop with the BS and it should all be about winning and everything else is just a distraction and we don't need distractions. You are the biggest distraction they have. And you proved it yet again. After saying you don't need distractions, you went right back on it and decided to be an even bigger distraction. Now the season's over, so... It doesn't matter. It's long since it will long be forgotten by the time he gets to OTAs or whatever else. So we move on from it. But I hope he realizes the hypocritical hypocritical nature of what the hell he's doing and the, and what's happened the last two days. Because it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But I have no problem with him speaking his mind. Just don't lecture the rest of the organization. That's all. Because it's just silly. But Chris is in Farmingdale to get back to the Nick calls. What's up, Chris? Chris and Miles, each day the Knicks win, the more and more I forget about the crummy, disgusting organization of the New York Mets. Let's go, <laughs> Knicks, baby. I won't watch a Mets game until this Knicks season is over. Whoever yeah. would have thought the Knicks are so much closer to the championship than those freaking New York Mets. Oh, let's go, yeah, I mean, baby. That's, that's a... Oh, let's get another. <laughs> I'm t- oh, I, I was so excited today. Another blowout win. I'm like, let's, I want to win by 40. Let's go. It's crazy. I'm telling you what. Yeah. If, if they get another guard, we're talking. <laughs> I know I know. I'm exaggerating, but it's, it's, I, I can. I can. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, listen, okay? I, that's they're the, the thing. Ni- they're the 96 Bulls, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a bit of an exaggeration. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I agree with you. Like, to me... Not that I agree with you on the 96 Bulls part, but if they get another guard, if they get an option off the bench, a legitimate scorer, uh, someone who runs that second unit, someone who brings in instant energy and offense. I, I Again, Evan was talking about it this afternoon, uh, and Malcolm Brogdon, who we saw in the game for Portland. Like, if you bring in that type of guy, he's not a superstar. He's an excellent player. He's going to cost you a first-round pick. Um, so if he costs you a first-round pick and he costs you – 
um, the expiring contract of Fournier, I mean, now you're looking at, at really having a tough time being able to make the trade for the superstar in the offseason, next year, whenever. So is it worth it to go out there and bring in another role player, albeit the top shelf of role players, to help fix the, to help make this team better and go attack this season with what they have and build the perfect Thibodeau team? Is that worth it? And I'm right now, it's hard to say no. Right now, go out there and get the player that best fits this team, fills all the holes of this team, and go attack this thing and see if you can be figure out a way to be good enough to attack take on those big boys in the East. And right now, it's hard not to think they could be. But don't they have a bunch of first-round picks so they could even still They train? do, but but if you trade, if you even one, I mean, they're going to need as many as they can. I think they have, what, 11 over the next how, however many years. Uh, it's just, you know, the more you make these trades, the more it becomes difficult. Now, listen, anything's possible because if you get a superstar who's upset, and wants to leave a team, we've seen it. He can pick his next team. He could say, look, I love the way the Knicks are playing right now, and I want to be a New York Knicks, so you figure it out. Take whatever compensation you can get because I want to be a Nick. And if that happens, do they have enough over enough first-round picks? Yeah, probably, but uh, ultimately, I, you don't want to start dipping into that pool that you've uh, you know, had here to gr- to go get the superstar. It makes it more difficult, but I still think you have to go out there and do it. Yeah. Um, would you take, and I heard about this earlier, uh, before, you know, way before they got, um, OG, um, that the Rosen was down to two teams, um, the Knicks or the Heat, he would, he would accept trade to. If he picks the Knicks, would you think that'd be a good fit for us? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, that would be a, a good fit. Uh, he's, he's a scorer. He's a, he's a good, solid player. I, I don't know if I'd put him in that, uh, Position of superstar. No, he's a star. Uh, yeah, I mean he's a star. No. He's a good player, but uh, and we saw him play when he played against the the bull when he when they played against the Bulls the other night. But yeah, I and mean he got thirty one points that game. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them early, and then they they the second half the Knicks dominated. But yeah, I guess he would fit. I don't, he would have to come in here and take that role on because I I you know he's not. I don't know if he's the perfect fit for me. I like him. He's a good player. Uh, I, I'm either getting a superstar or I'm getting more of a a guy who fits coming off the bench in that quickly role. And DeRozan is a, a little bit in between. So it's not a perfect fit for me, but it's it's a pretty good one. I mean, he's a he's a great he's a good scorer, and and you're looking to get more scoring. But right now, yeah, you're right. The Knicks are on a roll, and it is un- impossible not to feel good about them. I mean, this next. The scheduling here, you've got Dallas on Thursday night in Dallas, which is going to be a very good test for this team. Then you got Memphis, and unfortunately, uh, uh, John Moran is going to be out with shoulder surgery, so you're going to miss him. Uh, Good thing for the, you know, unfortunate for him in the NBA, I suppose, because he's a great player, but a good thing for the Knicks. Uh, So those two games on the road uh, at Dallas, at Memphis, before you come home for one, two, three, four straight against, you know, teams you should beat. Orlando will be a decent test. They've obviously had a very nice season so far, but Orlando, Houston, Washington, Toronto at Brooklyn before you go take on uh before you welcome Denver and Miami. So that's that's far ahead, but right now the the first test will be at Dallas. That's that's a good test. Dallas is a good team, obviously. Um they got the you know, you got the the superstar there and 
that will be a good test after really having a bunch of pushovers to start these. Let's be fair. Minnesota, great te- Minnesota, great team, best in the West. And Philadelphia, as much as I'd love to tell you they beat the crap out of Philadelphia, and they did, they were they were terrible that night. Philadelphia didn't show up. I don't know why. I, I, I would have to call Spike right now and see if he's got a better feel on why uh, the Sixers didn't show up. But Luka Doncic on Thursday night in Dallas is going to be a very good test for the New York Knicks. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you. We'll continue to take your Nick calls. We'll get into the Aaron Rodgers stuff. And I, I got to tell you, I, I got to talk about this Wink Martindale stuff. I, I'm fascinated by it because the initial reaction to all this Wink stuff was to immediately place blame at Dable's feet. And to say, wow, Dable looks bad here. He can't have a relation. He can't make this thing work. You know, that's the that's the coach's job. And and you know, uh, he's tough to work with. And if you just saw the story from Paul Schwartz earlier in today, yeah, Wink Martindale had a lot to do with his own demise here. And we got to get to it because I'm kind of pissed at him. I think I think we're learning Wink Martindale did not like Brian Dable and wanted out and tried to orchestrate his way out and didn't wasn't willing to do the same things Brian Dable was willing to do to make it work. The fan is better when you're a part of it. Call us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. Go. 877-337-6666. Taking your calls till 5 o'clock. McBonnie will here with you. Uh, I think, you know, it's funny. I think I need... I finally got to step up and get... I think I'm going to go with a Yeti over a Stanley. My wife bought a Yeti just to be different, and it is tremendous. And I have, like, that old plastic water bottle... And the ice is already melted. I just want to go take a sip. It's warm. I got to go refill it. What am I doing here? They have cups that are so great at keeping things cold that the whole world is turned upside down. And I did see the story. I forgot to mention it. I talked about how I saw everybody at my son's basketball uh, practice or game. They're the same thing when you're six. And everybody walked in with these big Stanley, you know, what do they call them? Um, Whatever. Big cups. 40-ounce cups. They keep things cold. They have the big, thick straw sticking out of them. And I saw that Starbucks put out a Valentine's Day one, like a red Stanley Valentine's Day mug. And apparently it's sold out so fast. And right now you can go on eBay, and they are selling them for $200 a pop. $200. That's how much people want these Valentine's Day red Stanley mugs from Starbucks. Are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? Please. I mean, good Lord. Go buy a Yeti. They're just as good, and they're not for some reason the be-all, end-all, where you got to go buy them. Go buy, go buy, go buy a, a green Stanley and paint it red. What are you, nuts? People are crazy. $200. I saw the story. Someone forwarded it to me, too, on Twitter. Like, you're going to go buy a Stanley uh, a Stanley mug to keep your water cold. 
A red one from Starbucks for $200 on eBay? You're out of your mind. People are crazy in this world. Mario in Long Beach. What's up, Mario? How you doing? Good show. Good. Thank you, buddy. How are you? I think you're doing good since you got your new show. Oh, uh, thank Mike. you. Uh, so, lifelong Nick Jet and, and Yankee fan. I know you're Yankees and uh, Giants. Who, uh, what are you yes. on basketball? I'm a Nick fan. A Nick fan. So, I have a little interesting thought process here about the Knicks. I like the Brogdon deal, but you know I think would would bring them over the top if they got Brogdon and they could get, believe it or not, Mikhail Bridges. Now, Mikhail Bridges is yeah. interesting because he played with those other three guys at Villanova yes. in, their, in their championship teams. And he's a, he's a very good player. He's long. He plays good defense. Yeah, very good. But the problem is he doesn't have that killer instinct. He's not a number one guy. And, and uh, he's trying to be number one on the Nets. He just doesn't have that personality. Yeah. He's something like Anthony Davis is a little bit, something like that, you know? If he went to the Knicks, he could be the number two or number three. They could give up Grimes and maybe a couple of number one picks. Yeah. And I think with that, and if they could get Brogdon too, I think they could win a championship without getting a superstar with the team they have right now. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I like him. Um, obviously, he was he was great for the Nets last year. He's been in a little bit of a funk. Uh, over the the last few games, he scored uh, uh, forty two on Sunday, so he broke out a little bit against Portland in the overtime loss. But he was he was struggling shooting from the floor for a while. But still, yeah, I mean, I like him. Uh, I don't know if the uh, the I mean, I guess the Nets would probably make that trade right now. I don't know if they love making a deal with the Knicks, but at this point, they probably should just break it all down uh, and and trade away everybody they can. Um, he makes them better. Uh, I don't know if I, I do both of those trades because, I, I mean, how many different roles do you envision? I mean, I understand he plays, you know, he plays small forward. You could move him around. He try, I'm trying to think of how it, how it fits the team. Well, I think he would go to – he could play the two guard. He yeah. definitely could because he's very quick. Right. You know, and, and, and so that you might say, well, I'll have a little problem going to two – could you imagine two guard trying to guard him? He's six foot seven. Yeah, he's six foot so six. So going to be yeah. a problem there too. Then you move DiVincenzo to the bench. Now your bench is really strong. You yeah. got DiVincenzo, you got – You got Hart, DiVincenzo you got for, for, for off – yeah, I mean, yeah, I can see that. On the, and I, DiVincenzo, for off the bench scoring, three-point scoring if you need some three-point shots, yeah. And I think what do you, I think DiVincenzo could be a poor man's Brogdon too. He scores. Yeah. He's a scorer. He can he can come in and put some points up on the board, yeah. you know? Yeah, not bad. And, I mean, yeah, I mean it works. Mikael Bridges uh, on some level works. Again, and what do you this got? year you got not four so this year... players, right? Then you have yeah, Brunson with yes. um, Brunson Brunson Hart. Yeah. And then you got uh you, you got Mikael Bridges and, and DiVincenzo. You got, uh, yeah, so you got four of the of the, of the starters of the, of the championship team. Uh, I'll listen to your response. Thanks, thanks, Michael. Yeah, you got it, Mario. Um, it's yeah. I mean, listen. It's a. It's. I don't know how much I'm sold on the idea of Villanova. I understand that you're talking about some players who've played together a lot and guys who would have some continuity and, and you know relatively know each other and how they think and how they how they play the game. It's not. It's not crazy. I don't know how I feel about Bridges. He was great for them last year at times. He did break out of a scoring slump well, with 42 the other night. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, that works. You put him at the two guard. Uh, DiVincenzo goes to the bench. If you still get a Brogdon to add that scoring to the bench too, uh, I could see it. I could see it. It helps them. I don't know if they. I don't know if the the Nets would make that trade with the Knicks necessarily, but. Yeah, I mean that's the kind of trade we're talking. I don't know what you'd have to give up for Mikael Bridges, though. Like that would, that would be the question. Like, what do you, what do you, how many how many first round picks do you have to give up? You give up Grimes and McBride, a couple of first round picks. It's not it's not crazy.
It's not absolutely. It's not crazy. I, I don't. I don't hate it, and I, it would bring all four guys. That that'd be. It's a good move. It's a. It's a good solid move. It makes the Knicks better. Uh, but right now, I'll just look. I'm going to trust right now as much as I've trusted them ever before. And even though we don't know, we don't talk to Leon Rose. We don't uh, hear from Leon Rose. Uh, his plan right now and what he's been able to do over the last. I mean, even you go back to the Brunson free agency. I mean, everyone liked Brunson. I mean, the story was, okay, yeah, we finally, at least we got a point guard. Knicks haven't had a point guard in forever. You have a legitimate point guard. He's pretty good. I mean, he's become so much better uh, than any of us thought. And then, obviously, this OG trade has completely transformed the team. So you're starting to really get the idea that they understand how to make this team work. And him and Thibodeau are working hand-in-hand to really, you know, to the benefit of how the style of play they want to coach, the the style of play they want to play, and just the definition of roles for the team. So, yeah, I mean, I would trust anything they would do right now to feel pretty good, I, and I don't know how they get the superstar. So, a Mikhail Bridges, if he's available, it makes sense. I don't know if I love it. I don't know if I'm knocked over by it, uh, but it makes sense, and so does a Brogdon. I, I mentioned a Jordan Clarkson from Utah, uh, another ga- another guy where, if possible, I, I could see him. He's he can create his own shot. He shoots the three pretty well. That's the thing about uh, Brogdon. He shoots the three at uh, 43%. Uh, right now, the problem with uh, Mikhail Bridges, not that it's you know his only the aspect of his game. He brings other elements, but he's a career 37% free throw shooter, uh, three-point shooter, excuse me. You're looking more in that 40, 42 to 44 range is what you'd like uh, to add to this team. And Bridges doesn't shoot that right now. He's having a, he's having a bad year at 35%. So that element is not is something I don't love from Bridges, but I mean he's a good solid player, and you do you do bolster your bench by bringing him because you do probably put Vincenzo on the bench or DiVincenzo on the bench. So it would it would change the dynamic of the team. I don't know if I love it though. It doesn't immediately jump out at me as something that changes the team. Nor does Demar Derozan that much. I mean I don't know. I I don't know if putting him at the two guard, moving DiVincenzo to the bench. I mean, it makes them better, I guess. But I don't know if I I, I love 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 the player, love the fit. But it would help. But right now, I got to admit, for a long time, it was you got to get the superstar. Right now, I feel pretty good about the idea, and especially the instant impact and the in, within five games being plus one eleven and knowing Rose and Tibbs knowing immediately that this player would have the impact and immediately being able to implement it, immediately being able to define roles. Like right now, um, you don't it for the first time forever. You feel you don't necessarily absolutely need the superstar, and you're looking for another role piece and a and a high level role piece at that. Not just anybody, but one of these. You know, Malcolm, um, Malcolm Bregman uh, won the Sixth Man of the Year last year. You're looking. You know, if you're talking about getting players like that, Mikhail Bridges or Jordan Clarkson, someone who would really come in and be that role player, but at the top of the league kind of role player, if 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 I can trust Rose and Thibodeau more than I ever have before to really figure out exactly what this team needs and to go out there and now the last piece, get that guy off the bench who can come in and replace Quickly's energy and instant out offense kind of scoring, that would be... Um, you know something that I'm 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 interested in beyond just going out and getting the obvious trade for the big time superstar. I'm willing to move first round picks. I'm willing to move Fournier's contract. I'm willing to do those things to bolster a team that I wasn't sure bolstering would be enough. I'm wondering if these five games and the instant 
the instant impact this trade has made, and now knowing that I think this these two guys have a really good feel for what works for this team makes me feel better about it. For the first time in a while, you're thinking maybe, just maybe, they can compete with the tops of the Eastern Conference without going out and making that superstar move. So we'll see. But right now, you got to be pumped. That's the only thing. For a Knicks fan, it is as good as it's been in a long time because not only are they winning this year, not only has this trade suddenly changed them in many ways, you're getting the best out of Randall, the best out of Brunson, the best out of all the other role players. Obviously, Ananobi himself is playing great, plus Hartenstein has stepped up, and they've just been dominating for five games. Good teams, bad teams, doesn't matter. They've played so well, but it's also going along with an idea of this team being a stable team for the last two, three years, where it's now it's building on itself. There's steps to the ladder. It's not just the 153-win season out of nowhere or they finally put it together and right back into the crapper. Like, you feel you are building something here, and now you've hit a pinnacle of it for the last five games and moving forward with still first-round picks and still options to add, whether it's superstar or role player, whatever the case may be, heading into this while we're watching the Bucks lose to everybody, right now you feel as good as you can about being a Knicks fan as you had in a long time. 